Welcome to the ACCP Postgrad Trainee Podcast, a podcast by postgrads for postgrads. My name is Andy Jadis, and I am the current ACCP RAC Vice Chair and a current PGY2 Critical Care Resident at Mayo Clinic. Today, our guest is Dr. Erica Ernst. Erica is an Associate Professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice and Science at the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy and an Associate Editor for the Journal of American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today, we'll be working to demystify peer review for the new practitioner. Welcome to the podcast, Erica. How are you doing today? Thanks, Andy. It's great to be here. It's a good day, and it's always a good day to talk about opportunities for our postgrads. Definitely. Well, we're, we're really excited to have you. Very gracious to have you. Uh, so just to kick things off here, then we're going to go through a list of questions just related to peer review some helpful information for new practitioners that might not even be that familiar with the peer review process. So the first question we have is, why is high quality peer review so important for scientific and medical literature? Well, I think, you know, the obvious answer is that it's important to ensure the validity and the integrity of the research and publication process. You know, um, Conducted research that's evaluated by peers or experts can ensure that um, the research being conducted and published is of the highest quality and has value to the reader. So I think that's, you know, really the the most important aspect of, of this process. You know, we can look at certain models where sort of the pay to publish model. And um, while those are interesting, they still also require some sort of peer review. There needs to be some sort of sort of unbiased evaluation of the scientific methods that were that were conducted. And that's where the peer reviewer comes in. Definitely agree. I think that the aspects that you pointed out that are critical for new practitioners to realize is this process is very important to obtain the integrity of our our scholarship and those activities related to that. So definitely not from our resident perspective, of course, maybe we've submitted an article for peer review. It's not necessarily just for people to be overcritical of some of the decisions or things that we did. It truly is to help improve our paper in the scientific process. Thank you for those comments. I'll be moving on then to our next question here. Can you describe what the peer review process looks like from the start to finish from the perspective of a journal editor? Sure. So, you know, from the from the very beginning, the article is submitted to the journal. Usually there's some administrative um, evaluation to make sure that the um, instructions for, to authors were carried out properly, um, it was submitted in the proper format, and then it is sent to the editor-in-chief in general. The editor-in-chief um, does a quick review, make sure that it's appropriate for the scope of the journal, that there hasn't been a recent publication already on that exact topic, um, and then from a list of Typically, associate editors or topic editors, the article will then be sent on um, to the associate editor. The associate editor will do another review, again, making sure that the article um, just in general looks appropriate for the journal, um, cursory methods. So those associate editors typically have an area of expertise or specialty. In my case, infectious disease, perhaps. So my um, editor-in-chief will have a couple of associate editors for ID, has a paper, sends it to one of us. We do a quick ID review. All this topic is overpublished in literature. We may 
desk reject from there. Or yes, this has some unique niche that hasn't been extensively studied before. Then it will get sent to reviewers. So we have a, a list of editorial board members and reviewers available to us. We'll send the article out requesting them to do a review. Um, and they will have usually a couple of weeks to return that uh, review to us. The reviewers um, can recommend to reject either because of methodological flaws or it's poorly written or it's confusing perhaps or um, either major revision or minor revision. Um, and then it gets resubmitted back to the associate editor. The associate editor then looks at those reviewer comments. Typically, we look at um, three reviewers and look for consensus. If all three may suggest, you know, revise and resubmit, or we may maybe a two to one sort of, or one of the, might say major revision, but then list some very significant fatal flaws that it it might be it seem unrealistic that they would be able to be um, to be changed. So then the associate editor, after reviewing those reviewer comments, will decide whether yes it can would be rejected or available to be revised and resubmitted. They will send that recommendation back to the editor-in-chief, who then communicates those reviewer comments to the authors, who then, uh, in the revised situation, would have an opportunity and given a time frame, which with they can revise their publication and then resubmit again. Then the process may go all through that same process again if it's very extensive, um, or if there are even some major revisions, then it would go back to the um, associate editor to determine whether they had adequately addressed those concerns. And then the final um, approval for publication would come after that. Wow, no, it definitely, I think it makes a little bit more sense then from our perspective when you do submit that, article finally off to publication, why it's not going to just be an immediate one week turnaround. Of course, we're very excited about all the hard work that we put into the project. We're looking forward to getting that feedback and of course, maybe achieving our goal of getting a publication out of a project. But I think you breaking that down just the number of editors and then also the reviewers that go into the process. It can definitely make sense how important that is to have the, the thoroughness throughout that review, but then also kind of that timeline, uh, why from a resident perspective, it might take a little bit more than we initially maybe thought it might to get some feedback on a paper. So thank you so much for diving more into that. Kind of brings yeah. us then to the next aspect and a question for you. Uh, for new practitioners, since we might not be as familiar with that peer review process, but we are interested in trying to learn more about scholarship, what does it kind of look like to maybe journey into getting started with peer review? Absolutely. One um, easy way is to ask your preceptor or mentor if they're a reviewer. If they are a reviewer for one or more journals, ask them if they ever receive a review, if you can do it with them. Um, or maybe pre-review it for them. Many times that would be a welcome addition to someone who has um, been requested to review an article um, to have someone pre-review it for them. And then it provides you the opportunity to discuss it with your mentor. In some review programs, there's the opportunity for that reviewer 
to um, identify anyone that may have helped them with the review. And that could also be a way to get your name into the system for reviewing. So that's one way. If you're maybe a postgrad at a smaller institution or somewhere where your preceptors aren't currently reviewing or maybe that opportunity isn't available for you, ACCP does have a peer reviewer training program. Um, this is a mentor program available to, to anyone, new practitioners or old that are interested in participating in this process, improving the, their skills in the, in the critical review area. And the, the mentor program with ACCP has both online training modules that cover important elements of, a, of the review process. And then uniquely, this also has the opportunity to be paired with an actual reviewer to be part and participate in an actual review process. So the um, participant is assigned a reviewer and a mentor. They review the manuscript, they submit their review. The reviewer also reviews the manuscript, reviews the mentees submitted review, and then meets with them to go over methods to improve that. So there are some other um, online modules. Um, many of the publication publishing houses have sort of reviewer modules that, that um, you could look at. But what's unique to ACCP's program is actually pairing you with a mentor to be able to provide you feedback on your actual uh, review process. Web of Science has um, what used to be Publons will publish it uh, and keep help you keep track of your annual reviews. So if within the review software, if you click that you'd like to be recognized on Publons, that will help you to keep track of the number of reviews that you do. You might be surprised to find out how many you're actually doing. So I, I think in addition to it somewhat being a thankless job, um, there are there can be some benefits as well. Definitely. I think the you point out a lot of good perspectives from the end of uh, getting to review other people's work. I think it can be really helpful for you to become that content expert in that area. But then also when it comes to some of the methodology and statistical related stuff, can see how that can also benefit your own research and things that you're working on. Something that I have heard too is depending on the journal, maybe the, there's incidents where they're looking for invited review articles or for commentary on a select piece. Is that also something that sometimes, depending on if you're a well-established reviewer within a journal, you might be that top choice that comes to mind for an editor? Exactly. You know, being selected for editorial boards would be dependent on um, contributing several reviews in addition to publications and then making sure that your reviews are helpful, worthwhile, on time or early will also improve, you know, how you're evaluated. Um, journals keep track of their reviewers and how long it takes for you to review. If you're not able to submit your review on time, ask for an extension. That can also be beneficial, you know? Um, so absolutely, we find our editorial board members from our reviewers, we find our associate editors from our editorial board members and moving up the line. So um, definitely having that experience and seeing your name there, you'll become an expert within that area and be recognized as such. Overall, what would be some of your, your biggest tips or tip for trainees and new practitioners regarding peer review as they're kind of transitioning into their new roles? Um, I think, first of all, is looking for those opportunities. If you do get invited or, or you are asked to contribute to a review, make sure that you don't be overly critical. Um, 
but do your review on time with a thorough job. Ask for input. You could seek other opportunities, you know, to improve your peer review process. And, and remember that how much this contributes to the scientific process. Having your name recognized as a reviewer can improve, help you when you go to look for reviewers and have your paper published. So um, I think it's just a, um, a really a good opportunity for um, young practitioners to see what that review process is all about. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for joining us today on the podcast. It was great getting to learn more about peer review. I know that it definitely provided me with more insight and resources and tips and tricks as I'm finding my way with that process as well. So definitely things that we should all be keeping in mind as we begin to transition to the new practitioner role. Uh, thank you again for your time today. Thanks so much for the invitation. I really enjoyed it. And thank you all for listening to the ACCP Postgraduate Trainee Podcast, a podcast by, pod, uh, by postgrads for postgrads. For more episodes and other resources, visit our website at accp.com slash resident fellow. Please subscribe to the ACCP Podcast to be notified of new episodes.